Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Yeah, I'm impressed. Y'all, y'all look really good. Well, we'll just plan a two-hour worship service every week. How about that? Is that, that work? <laughs> I'm so grateful to, to Bob and to Chuck for, uh, for coming and, and sharing with us this morning. Um, you know, part of, part of celebrating 120 years is certainly looking back and celebrating uh, what God has done, how he's brought us here. A big part of it is, is looking at where we are now, and then also certainly looking to where we're going, looking to the next, Lord willing, 120 years. And so this morning, I would invite you to go to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is an Old Testament passage, one that you may be familiar with, with Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm going to really look at three scenes within this picture, or within this story this morning. It will show us what I believe to, to be the key to seeing God do a great work among us. This is, this is a revival passage, if ever there was one, in Scripture. And so if I was going to sum this up in a sentence... It would simply be this. Our God loves to bring hope where there is no hope. Our God loves to bring life where there is no life. Our God is a God who restores. So Ezekiel 37, we'll we'll read and we'll kind of break this up as we go along. Verses 1 and 2, the first thing that we see here is we see a sad condition with the people of Israel. Ezekiel writes, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Now imagine this picture with me for a minute. God, in a vision, brings Ezekiel to this valley. And he leads him all around the floor of the valley. He says it's covered with bones. And they're very dry. In other words, these bones have been here for a while. Now God's promised, God had promised the people of Israel that, that their sin would ultimately lead to their destruction. Now, the children of Israel maybe have more in common with us than we would like to admit at times. Where God told them over and over, if you turn away from me, there's going to be destruction. Well, but God doesn't really mean that. No, if you turn away from me, there will be destruction. Yeah, but, you know, he's a God of mercy. He's long-suffering. He wouldn't really destroy us, right? But let's just... And so they ultimately put God to the test, and God is faithful to his word. Amen. Right? I mean, that's, maybe that's not a, a promise we want to stand on and sing about, but it's a promise. God's faithful to his word. You turn away from me, things will go poorly in your life. And, and they did for Israel. 
This is what the Lord says. Listen to these words out of Deuteronomy. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will march out against them from one direction, but flee from them in seven directions. You'll march out together. You're going you're to scatter. You'll be an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your corpses will be food for all the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the earth with no one to scare them away. That was a promise that God made in the book of Deuteronomy. And here we are in, in the book of Ezekiel and Ezekiel sees the, the fruition of this prophecy. In Jeremiah, in his prophecy, he says, All these I will hand over to their enemies, to those who intend to take their life. Their corpses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. And then you have Ezekiel with this vision of this valley of dry bones that are very dry. They've been picked clean. Now, it's important to remember that in Jewish culture, a proper burial would have been important. And so the fact that that there's this army of bones laying in the middle of this valley with no proper burial shows not only the sin that, that Israel's committed against the Lord, but their shame as well. Things have not gone well for the children of Israel. This picture of this armies of dry bones is a reminder to Ezekiel and to the people that their, their sin has brought great consequences. This was once a mighty army, now it's a useless heap of bones. And then we get to verse 3. And, and God asks Ezekiel a very odd question. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now the answer should be obvious. Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And, and, and immediately Ezekiel's going, Nope. But he's a smart guy. He's a prophet. He knows better than to tell God no. Right? So... So, can these bones live? So, so he gives a very political answer. Um, Lord, only you know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you no. Lord, only, only you know whether these bones can live or not. There. Got out of that one, didn't I? That's, that's good. <laughs> now, the obvious answer to us would be, of course not. Of course not. It's hopeless. On, on the surface, this seems ridiculous, right? This is a very strange command that, that, or a very strange question that God asks. And then God gives an even stranger command in verse 4. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now for a second, just imagine this picture. Ezekiel standing here, surrounded by dry bones. The Lord says, Ezekiel, you see the bones. Yeah, the Lord, I see the bones. Can they live? Only you know. Okay, great. I want you to speak to these bones. Say what? You, you want me to do what? I mean, that, that ranks up there with, I want you to build a boat in the middle of the desert, right? <laughs> Prophesy to these bones. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you. Make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you 
so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel, I want you to speak to these bones. All right. Now, now at this point, can, can we just stop? And one of the things that struck me is how utterly unnecessary Ezekiel is in this story. God didn't need him to speak here. You know, if we were, if we were going off of a work salvation here, we, we might get the picture that, that Ezekiel goes and tries to start threading these bones together one by one, trying to reconstruct this great army. I've got, I got to help the Lord out here a little bit, right? But what Ezekiel is allowed to see through the mercy of God, through his grace, is how God chooses to work in and through us to accomplish things that we could never accomplish on our own. Verse 7, all right, so I prophesied as I've been commanded. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. You know, I was struck by this as well, because at this point, it looks like an army. As flesh looks like an army of the Lord. But, but this army would be awfully useless in battle at this point. Because it's missing a key component. Verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them. And they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. Now again, even though this was an odd command that God gave to Ezekiel, I want you to go, I want you to speak to these bones. Ezekiel obeys. He doesn't understand maybe exactly what he's doing. He doesn't understand what God's about to do. Maybe even seems a little crazy on the surface. But through Ezekiel's obedience, God does something that only God can do. He brings life where there had been only death. And he restored hope where all hope had been lost. And he didn't just make an army that looked impressive, but he put the breath. In the Hebrew language, the word breath can also mean spirit. God put his spirit into this army. Now what on earth does this passage have to do with First Baptist Church of Alan McGordon? Well, we're told in verse 11 
He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, Our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. All right, so he says these bones are the house of Israel. First Baptist Church of Alamogordo is not the house of Israel. So, okay, what do we do here? How do we make this connection? As we look back at the Old Testament with, with New Testament lenses, I think we can clearly see this pointing to Christ who restores spiritually dead people to life, brings people from death to life, transfers us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son, as Paul writes in Colossians 1. In Christ, we have the fulfillment of this vision, that through Christ, God brings spiritually dead men and women to life. He restores broken lives. And he restores broken churches. Now, we might be tempted to be content to stop at the end of verse 8. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Numbers can often be deceiving. It's not to say there's anything wrong with numbers. Numbers are good. We've, we've prayed for a long time, Lord, fill this place. But if we're content to stop with filling this place with numbers, we might look really good, but be missing a really key component. Amen. Because tendons and flesh, impressive numbers without the Spirit of God, is pointless. See, this is the promise that God gave to Ezekiel. If we back up one chapter to Ezekiel chapter 36, starting verse 26, listen, listen to what he says here. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. May our prayer for the next 120 years be not just, Lord, fill this place with people, but Lord, fill your people with your spirit. Amen. May our prayer be, oh God, breathe new life into us, into our lives, into our church, into our community. Because God loves restoring to life that which was once dead.
God loves restoring hope where there was no hope. I haven't been here for much out of the last 20 years. But I've heard the stories. I've read some of the minutes in the business meetings. I've seen the pain in people's eyes when they talk about the last 20 years. But folks, we serve a God who restores hope, who restores peace, who restores joy. And it can begin in us. Not just so we can fill a sanctuary on Sunday morning and, and say, look at, look at how great we are doing. But that we might be raised up as the people of First Baptist Church, as an army to push back darkness in our community, in our state, in our nation, and to the ends of the earth. And one of my favorite definitions of revival, you know, we, 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 we talk about things that we, we call revivals, and really what we mean by that most of the time is we put a series of of meetings on the calendar, and we call it a revival, and, and, and we hope people show up, right? And but folks, re- revival starts, not, not because we put dates on the calendar. Re- revival starts when God's people get right with God. Revival starts when, when God's people come to understand what it means to walk with God, just as Chuck was saying. Because God's people who understand what it means to be filled with God's Spirit change the world. You know, I, I saw this morning on Twitter, um, a friend of mine posted that 145 years ago, a young lady by the name of Lottie Moon stepped off of a boat in China. 145 years ago. It was 25 years before First Baptist Church of Alamogordo was even a thing. And through, through Lottie Moon's life, we, we learn a couple of things. We learn about what God can do through one person who's completely surrendered to seeing him work in their lives. We, we learn about what an army of churches can do when we're committed to seeing the gospel advance around the world. One of the, my favorite parts about being a Southern Baptist is we get to take part in that. Not everybody can go overseas. We understand that. But we, we have a part in taking the gospel around the world through this thing we call the cooperative program. But folks, it's not enough just to say, well, we're going to do missions by, by putting money in the offering plate so that that can go around the world. That's good. What would it look like if I said, I believe I've been placed in a neighborhood for a specific purpose. I've been placed in a school, in a job. I've been placed in a cubicle for a specific purpose. And through me, I don't have, I don't have any power to save anybody, Right? I mean, me, 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 trying to, me trying to save somebody would be like, 
Ezekiel trying to sew these bones together to create this army. You and I don't have that power. But what we have is the ability, the, the blessing, to see God work in and through our obedience to do what he said he'll do. Our God loves restoring what was once dead to life. So you want to talk about the future of First Baptist Church? We're not going to talk about numbers. We're not going to talk about budgets. It's not that those things are unimportant, but they're not ultimate. We want to talk about how we can extend the legacy of First Baptist Church and see that grow over the next 120 years. It starts by us being obedient to the Great Commission and the Great Command. Trusting that as we're faithful to share the gospel with those around us, God will be faithful to do what he's always done. And that is to bring those who were dead and sin to eternal life in Christ. That's the legacy of First Baptist Church. That's how we're here 120 years later. That's how we'll continue to be here in the coming years. Let's rally together and pray, oh Lord, fill us with your spirit. And as we're obedient to the things you've called us to do, turn this community upside down with the gospel. Amen. That we might see Ephesians 2.13 become reality in our lives and our churches. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's done it before. Oh Lord, do it again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the chance that we have to gather and celebrate, to remember what you've done here the last 120 years. Even in the middle of turmoil, even in the middle of awfully dark days here, You never removed your hand of blessing from us. You never removed the calling that you placed on this church. So God, may this celebration be a time for us to refocus on the mission that you've given to First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. To reach Alamogordo with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May that be our legacy for the next 120 years. Will you show us what it looks like to have a church whose people are committed to following after you in our lives and as a church? We thank you so much for Christ Jesus who restores life where there was no life, who restores hope where there was no hope. Will you let revival begin right here, right now, as your people 
surrender to your leading. Send your spirit here. May we be people who understand what it means to walk in the spirit day in and day out, being led by your hand. God, let it start with me. We ask all these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.